You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today, I will be reading This Is Not Our Goodbye by Dark Heart in the Sky. This is actually the first Fix-It fic I've ever read. Fix-It fics haven't really appealed to me in general, but this was a really great story, and I felt so good after reading it that I may need to give more Fix-It fics a chance. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. Please heed the tags, and do not listen to anything you think may trigger, squick, or just not appeal to you. A full listing of every tag is in the show notes. The pertinent tags for today's story are Post-Episode, Season 15, Episode 19, Inherit the Earth Grief and Mourning Alcohol Abuse, Alcoholism Depressed Dean Winchester Suicidal Thoughts Angst with a Happy Ending Heavy Angst This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. This is not our goodbye. Written by Dark Heart in the Sky, read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. When you said your last goodbye, I died a little bit inside. I lay in tears in bed all night, alone without you by my side. Summary. Dean is going to get Castiel out of the empty, no matter what it takes, even if he has to do it himself. 
not even the new hands-off Jack will be able to stop him. Chapter 1 His alarm buzzes and buzzes and buzzes, vibrating against the wooden nightstand. He reaches out, eyes still closed, and smacks his phone to snooze, then turns his face back into the pillow. Miracle whines, nuzzling at his face, sniffling and sneezing, and when he gets no response, he starts to lick incessantly. Okay, okay, Dean grunts, sitting up and rubbing his eyes. They're crusty, and his throat is dry. He grabs the half-empty beer bottle that rests on his nightstand and takes a long swig. He stands, and his legs wobble like jelly. He grabs his dead guy robe off the hook and cinches it at the waist. He sticks his feet into his slippers. He walks past his desk, and he adamantly avoids looking at the bloody jacket that rests on the back of the chair. He takes Miracle up the stairs outside, where the bitter wind bites at Dean's skin. Miracle does his business, and by the time Dean comes back inside, down the stairs, Sam is up and in the kitchen, banging pots and pans around. The smell of bacon sizzles. Dean watches from the doorway for a moment. Eileen sits at the bar counter, signing excitedly. Sam's face is flush, and he's grinning wider than Dean's seen in years. And then Sam notices Dean, and a smile melts. He clears his throat. Back to serious Sam. The Sam that's hovered ever since they defeated Chuck, and Jack left to go be in the rain or leaves or whatever. Hey, he says, sliding around the island. Eileen turns and signs, good morning, grinning, but it's nervous, stilted. Hey, Sam says, waving the tongs around in the air. You want breakfast? Bacon's almost done. I made pancakes, too. Dean sniffs the air and his stomach churns. His esophagus burns. He shakes his head. No, thanks. He feels Sam's frown burning into his back. You're turning down bacon? Not hungry, Sam, Dean says, pouring a cup of coffee. He takes a sip and grimaces. It's weak. He reaches into the cabinet overhead, grabs the bottle of Jack Daniels, and pours a generous shot into his mug. Dean? What? He snaps, bracing against the counter and taking a long sip. That's much better. Sam's eyes are full of disappointment. He shakes his head. Eileen's eyes are wide and worried. It's 9 a.m., dude. Well, you know what they say, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, and that somewhere is not here. Are you okay? Eileen asks. No, no, I'm not okay, and no, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to sit in my room, watch cartoons, and enjoy my coffee. Is that such a crime? Sam and Eileen share a look. Dean takes another long sip. Dean, it's been six months. And... He shrugs. What you're doing? It's not healthy. And that's my cue. He exits the kitchen, ignoring Sam and Eileen calling after him. He settles back into bed, getting under the covers. He grabs his laptop and loads up Scooby-Doo. He tries to focus on the colors and the animation and the case the Scooby gang is working. 
but he finds himself drifting off, losing focus. When he comes back, he's missed a few seconds, vital in a program that's only 20 minutes long. So he tries even harder to focus, but the more he tries, the more difficult it becomes. His eyes keep drifting off to the jacket on his desk chair, that bloody handprint still as vibrant and red as the day. He takes another sip of his liquor-infused coffee, throat now numb to the burn. Eventually, the coffee runs out, so he finishes the beer on his nightstand. It's half-empty, stale and lukewarm, but he finishes it down in just a few swallows, then grabs the case he keeps stashed under the bed. The liquor hisses when he twists the cap off. He aims for the trash can, but it bounces off the rim and falls to the floor, joining the pile that's collected in the corner of his room. A few hours later, he can't ignore the stinging pain in his stomach. He cinches his robe tighter around his waist. He opens the door and almost trips over Miracle. Sorry, boy, Dean says, reaching to run his fingers through the dog's fur. It's thick and soft. Sam must have just given him a bath because he's slightly damp. Miracle's tail thumps against the concrete floor and he licks Dean's face. Okay, okay, that's enough. He quietly walks into the kitchen, peers around the corner, and is relieved when he sees it's empty. His stomach grumbles, but he doesn't have the energy to cook. He goes to the pantry and grabs a box of cereal, and he eats it out of the box, dry by handfuls. He briefly wonders where Sam and Eileen have gotten off to between swallows. He wanders around the bunker, the box of cereal close to his chest. It's been quiet these last six months. Not a peaceful quiet, or an eerie, foreboding quiet, like the kind that occurs before a tsunami smashes down on an unsuspecting beach. It's been an anxious, itching quiet, the sort that leaves Dean awake tossing and turning most of the night until he mixes beer with Ambien, the kind that leaves a wide, gaping hole in his chest, the kind that says, Something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. And then he finds himself in front of the door. He waits and waits, and his heart is tight and burning in his chest again, just like it was when Billy was crushing it from the inside. Except this time there's no comfortable, familiar arm holding him up, no voice by his ear reassuring, I've got you, I've got you. It's just him and the door and the pain that won't go away no matter how much he sleeps or drinks or wishes it would just stop. And his eyes are burning and it's hard to breathe. And he knows what's behind that door, sees it every night, no matter how much he wishes he didn't. No matter how hard he tries to focus on anything else, no matter how tightly he closes his eyes. They're free. They're supposed to be free. Their life is their own now. For the first time ever, there's no puppet master. They're free. They're free. But was the cost worth it? He puts his hand on the door and it burns. He yanks away, yelping, and he drops the box of cereal and the remnants spill everywhere. Miracle starts to happily eat at the droppings. But Dean's heart is hammering against his ribs, 
His eyes are burning. His lungs are too small. He collapses to the floor and starts to sob. He comes to when Sam starts shaking him. He pulls his head from his knees and blinks away the tears. Sam comes into focus slowly. His eyebrows are pressed together, frowning. Dean. Dean sniffs and rubs at his eyes. What? He barks. Sam chews on his lip. Dean, are you ever going to talk about it? There's nothing to talk about, he snaps. Then he notices that Sam is dressed up in a nice jacket with a tie and his hair is even slicked back with gel. It clicks then that it's Saturday, date night for Sam and Eileen. He rubs at his eyes again, fighting to compose his voice. Better not be late for your date. Eileen might get pissed. We don't have to go out, Sam says. We can order pizza. Eileen will understand. You don't need to babysit me. We're worried about you. Yeah, well. He pushes himself to his feet, only stumbling a little. He leans his weight against the wall and avoids looking at the door. You can stop. Sam looks at the door, then back to Dean. What is with you in this room? Is this about what happened to Cass? Don't, he says warningly. Sam's about to say more, but then Eileen enters, her heels clacking against the floor. She's wearing a long red dress, and her hair is up in a bun. She looks beautiful. Dean's happy for Sam, and jealous of him at the same time. And then he's angry at himself for being jealous. Sam deserves happiness. He's got his happiness. Dean should be happy for him. I always wondered, ever since I took that burden, that curse, I wondered what it could be, what my true happiness could even look like. Dean squeezes his eyes shut, but tears still manage to leak out. Dean, Eileen says, happiness isn't in the having. It's just in saying it. And now Dean can never say it. How is he supposed to have his happiness if he can't say it? How could Cass do that to him? Leave him? Like that? How could he just say that and then leave? Forever? You stupid son of a bitch, Dean says, slamming his hand against the wall. Hey, 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 Sam says, pulling Dean's hand back. Sam looks over at Eileen. Out of the corner of his eyes, Dean sees him sign something to Eileen. It's hard to make out through his blurry vision. Eileen nods. Of course. Sam signs thank you. He takes Dean's shoulder and Dean yanks it out of his grip. Don't touch me, he hisses. Well, what am I supposed to do, Dean? You barely eat, barely sleep. You won't talk about it. You just drink and drink and stare at this door for hours every day. This isn't healthy. This isn't... Don't you fucking say it. This isn't what Cass would want for you. Dean punches him. Not as hard as he would like. His knuckles are bruised and aching from the wall, but it feels good. And then Eileen shoved him against the wall, her elbow pushed into his neck. Stop, she says, looking him dead in the eye. Dean, you need help. She looks over her shoulder. Sam, are you okay? Fine, Sam says, nodding. 
He makes the sign for it as well, even though blood is pouring out of his nose and onto his tie. Eileen looks back at Dean. Are you done? Dean nods. Eileen releases him, and Dean rubs at his throat. Damn, she's strong. You need to face it, she says, walking towards the door. Don't. Dean barely whispers. But Eileen opens the door, and it creaks loudly. He can look through to the other end, the dungeon, sees the spot that the black goo entered and shot out, and he bends over and vomits. He's back in his bed, head pounding. Miracle is resting by his feet, hot as a furnace. Dean stares at the bloody handprint on the jacket. Eventually, he forces himself out from under the covers and grabs the jacket, pinching the fabric beneath his fingers. He smells it. It smells like dust and nothing else. But Dean slips it on and leaves his room. It's late. Sam and Eileen are in bed by now. He walks down the hallway and stands in front of the door to Cass's. This time, he doesn't hesitate. He pushes it open and steps inside. Despite the musty smell of being closed for so long, it's military orderly. The bed is made, with the sheets tucked underneath the mattress. The pillows are fluffed. There's nothing out of place. The only thing to even suggest that this room was once occupied are the small trinkets on the desk. Dean approaches it, runs his fingers over the large tome that reads, On Deities and Their Demise. There are some photos spread across the desktop. One of Sam and Dean on separate sides of the Impala's hood, looking at a map. One of Claire and Kaya that looks like a selfie. They're pressed together, grinning. There's one of Jack, smiling wide, eager and innocent. He's waving at the camera. Dean stares at that photo for a long time. Then he crushes it in his hands and dumps it into the trash bin. He leaves Cass's room, closing the door behind him, and heads to the armory. The walls are loaded with guns, knives, maces, nunchucks, spears. Weapons of all kinds, collected across the centuries. He ponders, running his fingers over various ones, testing the weight in his hands. But he doesn't have the weapon he needs. He did once, but the image of it melting in Lilith's hands like gold still sticks out vividly. Dean puts the spear back onto the rack, spins some, frowns. Is there anything in here that can wound God? His eyes focus on the archangel blade hanging beside the collections of knives, katanas, karambits, and shmitas. He takes it off the rack, running his fingers over the spiraled blade. It's light as a feather in his hands. He closes his eyes. Jack, he says, saying the name out loud for the first time in months. It feels foreign around his tongue. Jack, you better got your ears on. And you better not fucking ignore me this time. When you said your last goodbye 
Chapter 2 Dean waits in the clearing down the road from the bunker's entrance. The trees are tall and old, probably having been here since before the Revolutionary War. He paces back and forth between the elms, arms wrapped around his torso. It's November and nearly freezing. He can see his breath in front of his face, and he's only dressed in sleepwear, his dead guy robe, the bloody jacket thrown over that, and slippers. He screams for hours until his voice is hoarse, and then he keeps going even when words start cracking and his throat begs for relief. Jack! Jack, you get your holy ass down here right now! We need to talk! His knuckles still ache from when he punched the wall, then Sam. He feels slightly bad about that, but he can apologize later. Right now, he needs to do this. He needs to get this done. The archangel blade is tucked away into his pockets, but every now and then he reaches and touches it, just for something to do with his hands. You son of a bitch, get down here now! There's a sound of flapping wings. Dean sighs in relief. Fucking finally. And then he's slammed against a tree, held up by the lapels of his robe, feet dangling off the ground. Jack's eyes are glowing that familiar, eerie yellow, nostril snorting. My mother is not a bitch, he says. Dean swallows. I know. Jack drops him. Good to finally see you, kid. Jack's eyes soften and return to that familiar green color. There's something different behind them now. No longer do they hold that childish naivete. Behind his irises is something ancient and nondescript, unearthly, godly. You knew about that deal. Dean brushes the robe off. Yes, Jack says simply. I was there when it was made. Dean rolls his eyes and clenches his teeth. His tendons pull taut under his skin. That was over a year ago. A year he was kept in the dark. Cass carried that... that burden. And you didn't say anything because... He asked me not to. Dean nods, chews on his lip. Right, of course. Of fucking course he would. Stupid secret-keeping mother. What do you want, Dean? Jack's voice is clipped, teetering on annoyed. His teeth even click. You know what I want. Jack looks pained, like Dean hit him. Dean, I can't. He even manages to sound sad about it. Bullshit. Dean approaches Jack. You brought everyone else back just like that. Dean snaps his fingers. Everyone else wasn't in the empty. My powers don't reach there. Now you're just lying. Dean's blood boils under his skin. You woke him up the first time. He sticks his hand in his pocket, wrapping his fingers around the angel blade. The first time, I wasn't God. Dean stares at him. Jack sighs, exasperated. The empty and God, the original God, made a pact long ago. God needed some place to store the consciousnesses of dead angels and demons. They have to go somewhere. It's the law of matter. It cannot be created nor destroyed, only moved. So, God got to store them in the empty. The empty uses their energy to sustain itself, 
and God cannot interfere there. Have you even tried? Dean whispers. He takes another step forward, towering over Jack. But Jack just looks up, not intimidated in the least. He looks at Dean like every other cosmic entity. Dean's just a gnat in their ear that won't go away. He stuck his neck out for you. Protected you. You were born because he chose to protect you. He saw good in you when almost no one else did. You owe it to him to try. Do you really think? Jack says softly, but there's an undercurrent of anger there that I haven't even tried. Jack blinks. His eyes swiftly drift to Dean's hands, then back to Dean's face. You can take your hands off that thing. It won't even nick me. Dean's shoulders deflate. He pulls the archangel blade out of his pockets. The silver glints in the moonlight. Dean, I really am truly sorry. Jack's voice cracks and his eyes sparkle. I want more than anything to save him. But I can't. He's my father and I'm not able to save him. A sob catches at Dean's throat. His lungs shudder behind his ribs. He braces his back against the elm tree to hold him up. The blade falls from his fingers and into the dirt. There's really nothing we can do. He reaches up and puts his hand over the handprint. The only thing he has left of Cass. The last time Cass touched him. Saved him. I'm sorry. Jack's crying now. Dean's knees can't hold him up anymore. He slides down to the ground. It's freezing. They wait there for several moments. Dean eventually finds the energy to look up. Is he hurting? Jack glances at the sky. They dream. Every angel and demon in there, they sleep. And they dream. About what? Jack hesitates. Their fears. Their regrets. Bet you got a lot of those, Cass, he thinks, gripping that handprint tighter, as though if he does it hard enough, he'll be able to feel Cass again. Then his brain clicks. He's dreaming. Jack nods. Yes. He looks at Jack. There might be something we can do after all. He and Jack enter the bunker and immediately go to the storerooms. Dean digs around in the gross stuff drawer, tossing anything that's not what he's looking for. Come on, come on, we have to have some, he mutters while Jack stands awkwardly in the corner. A few minutes later, Sam appears, rubbing his eyes. Dean, it's three in the morning. What the fuck are you... Jack? Jack smiles and waves. Hi, Sam. Uh, hi, Jack. Dean feels Sam's eyes burning into his back. Dean, Jack's here. Brilliant observation, Sherlock. Why is Jack here? Aha! Dean cries in triumph. 
It's a small piece, but it should do. It still stinks, but he doesn't care. His heart races. Adrenaline floods through his blood. Dean, answer me. Dean gets to his feet, just as Eileen comes around the corner, rubbing the sleep out of her eyes. Sam? She gets closer, then stops beside Sam. Jack? Hi. Jack signs, smiling widely. Eileen frowns. What's going on? Trying to find that out, Sam grumbles, fingers signing a lot more fluidly than six months ago. Dean, answer my question. What the hell is going on? What do you have? I'm going to get Cass back. Sam sighs and rubs his eyes. Eileen frowns, too, and leans into Sam's side. Dean, she says. How do you plan on doing that, huh? We've been down this route already. Dean, there's no way for a human to get into the empty. Yeah, well, Jack here just gave me some pretty useful information. Sam raises an eyebrow. And that would be? Dean reveals what's in his hand. African dream root. Jack says the angels in the empty are all dreaming. Sam shares a look with Eileen, then back to Dean. You can't be serious. As a heart attack. Sam rolls his eyes. Do you have any of his DNA? I have this. And Dean clasps his hand over the handprint, brushing against the dried blood. Do we even know if this will work? This question is directed at Jack. Jack merely shrugs. I don't know. We have to try, Dean snaps. We can't not try. If it was one of us, he'd try. You know he would. He wouldn't ever give up. Sam inhales. Okay, okay, let's say this does work and you're able to get into Cass's dream. What then? How are you going to get him out? He got himself out once after he woke up. He just needs help waking up, Sam. And if this doesn't work? It'll work. It has to work. I'm doing it, Sam. Right now. The only question is, are you going to stop me, or are you going to stand in my way? Is it safe? Eileen asks. There's a risk, Sam answers. If you die in Cass's dream, you die for real. I know that. I'm not an amateur. Sam glances between Eileen and Dean. Jack will go with you. Dean shakes his head. No, I go alone. He sees Sam's about to argue. He continues. I need to speak with him alone. Sam, I have to do this. Dean's gaze slips to Eileen. Sam follows. And finally, finally, understanding clicks in Sam's eyes. Sam pinches the bridge of his nose. Okay, he says. I get this is going to happen, whether I want it to or not. I'd rather it happen supervised than you do it behind our backs. So if we're going to do it, we're going to do it safe. Let's get it prepped. In that moment, Dean feels lighter than he has in months, maybe even years. He goes to get the other spell ingredients and hears Sam behind him talking to Jack. It's good to see you again, Sam says. You too. Ten minutes later, they're all waiting in the infirmary. Sam's broken down the African dream root with a mortar and pestle and mixed in all the other ingredients. He pours it into a tall glass. 
Now we just need Cass's DNA, Sam says. Dean hesitates, pulling the jacket together around him, before he finally slips it off. He feels naked without it. He takes a bottle of water and rubs it over the sleeve until it's soaked through. Then he wrings out the sleeve over the glass. Pinkish water drips into it. Dean wrings out as much as he can, then sets the jacket on the bed. The handprint is now a messy stain. It's okay, Dean thinks. It's okay, because I'm going to get him back. Don't get killed, Sam says, handing Dean the glass. Dean sits on the hospital bed, and the springs squeak under his weight. Not planning on it, he says. Sam nods. Bring him home. Cheers. Dean raises the glass, then chugs it. It's vile, rancid like rotten fish, but he forces it down. His head starts to throb. His vision starts to go black. He hears Sam giving orders to Jack and Eileen, but he can't make out the words. He feels like he's spinning. And then everything goes white. Chapter 3 When Dean opens his eyes, it's to the sound of his voice. You tell Uriel or whoever, you do not want me doing this. Trust me. Want it? No. It's, it's Cass's voice. The first time Dean's heard it in months. The low, serious gravel, that hint of emotion. Even back then... Dean turns and sees Cass and himself, a much younger version, one still anxious and jittery, hell still a bleeding wound instead of an aged scab. But I've been told we need it. Dean glances to the door, feeling cold on the inside. He remembers this day well. He raises a hand to his cheek, the pain of a fractured bone from years ago flaring up again. Memory Dean paces around, knuckles pressed against his teeth. He's still got Dad's old leather jacket, the one that doesn't fit. It hangs off him like he's a skeleton. Memory Dean looks past the present Dean to the steel door, marked with blood and all sorts of intricate sigils. Memory Dean can't read them, but Dean of now can. Trap. Contain. Evil. Father protect us. Memory Dean looks back at Cass. You ask me to open that door and walk through it, you will not like what walks back out. Castiel and Memory Dean lock eyes. For what it's worth, Castiel says, I would give anything not to have you do this. Memory Dean doesn't believe him, but the Dean of now does. The Dean that knows Cass hears the pain in his voice the sincerity. He sees it in Cass's eyes. Did you love me here? Dean thinks. You know what I did in hell. All the angels did. 
You never looked at me like I was poison. Cass, Dean says, stepping forward. And then he's caught in a tornado, spinning, dizzy. When it stops, he stumbles, waving his arms to catch his balance. Memory Dean is in the hospital bed. He's sleeping. The machines beep. And Castiel sits in the chair by his side. Dean reaches out, hands shaking, eager to touch him, to throw his arms around him and never let go. Cass? He puts his hand on Cass's shoulder. Cass flinches. He turns around and squints. Cass, it's me, Dean says, but Cass doesn't respond. He looks around, tense for something. He can't see me, Dean realizes, heart sinking into his stomach. Castiel, he says, louder, but still hesitant to yell, afraid of shattering something. Castiel, open your eyes, damn it. It's me, Dean. I'm right here. I have something to tell you and he's caught in the tornado again. He gets to relive some of the worst moments of his life, but this time from Cass's perspective. And it's awful. Because all that time he thought Cass was heartless, spineless. He was wrong. He knows that now. But it's awful seeing how wrong he was even back then. You were wrong, Cass. You didn't care about the world because of me. You always cared. Dean sees when the angels rip Castiel from Jimmy Novak's body and haul him up to heaven and tie him down. When Castiel starts to scream, he looks away. Bloodied feathers lay at his feet. Jack said the angels dream about their fears and their regrets. He never knew Cass had so many, still burdened on his shoulders all these years later. It's not surprising when the tornado takes him to the year that he was with Lisa. Dean stands beside Cass, and he watches Cass watch him rake leaves. I didn't know you were here, Dean says. Cass, of course, does not answer. Crowley appears then, greasy with that easy grin and used car salesman attitude. I'm an angel, you ass, Cass tells him. I don't have a soul to sell. That's not true, Dean says to no one. Cass, don't do this. You can bother me. I'll help you. Ask me and I'll help you. Cass doesn't respond to him. He walks away with Crowley. And the tornado comes back. From there, Dean can anticipate the punches. He sees Cass touch Sam's forehead and Sam collapses. That one still hurts years later what the Leviathans do to Cass from the inside, sees Cass walking into that lake, Cass touching Sam's forehead again, this time to heal instead of hurt. There's purgatory, Cass running every night. Dean hears his own prayers through Cass's mind, and he sees the regret on Cass's face, the pain, and then a Leviathan snakes behind Cass, but Cass's blade drops in his hand, and he sticks the end through the monster's neck. The corpse drops into the grass, eye socket still smoking, and then Cass continues to move. When the tornado takes him next time, it takes Dean a moment to realize where he is. He's in heaven, beside Cass, 
and in front of Cass is Naomi. Hello, Castiel, she says, smiling and tilting her head. But behind her eyes there is nothing. Her movements are robotic. Who are you? Castiel asks, glancing around the two white space. Where am I? Naomi's smile twitches. You've been here many times. Have a seat. Dean tenses up, reaches out to touch Cass's shoulder, and Cass does not react. We have to talk. Dean stands, a horrified bystander, watching as Naomi conjures up dozens of apparitions of Dean's, stands horrified as she forces Castiel to kill them. He refuses at first, fights, kicking and snarling, spitting, but he's always overpowered eventually. And every time he's forced into a chair, and Naomi takes that drill to his eye, huffing in annoyance, as blood and grace splatter around her. Still, Castiel fights, refuses, and again and again, he's back in that chair, screaming like Dean's never heard anyone scream before. Not even in hell did they scream like that. Cass, Dean says. Cass, this isn't happening. It's just a memory. I'm right here. I'm right here. You need to wake up, damn it. Wake up. In the crypt, he sees Castiel struggling between what's happening on Earth and what's happening in Heaven as Naomi controls his body. He looks down at his own bloody, fractured face and his heart freezes in his chest. He feels Cass's horror, disgust, guilt, shame. It's over, Cass, Dean pleads. It was years ago. I'm not mad. I forgive you. Please, I need you to wake up. It's just a dream. At the same time, Memory Dean, on his knees, desperate and in pain, says, Cass, I know you're in there. I need you. Dean looks into his own eyes, processes his own words, and he wonders if this is when he first let himself acknowledge how important Cass was to him. Just like back then, now the words are strong enough that Cass freezes. And in heaven, he escapes Naomi's iron-clad grip as she screams that heaven will never take him back. It's hard to process it, all the times he thought Castiel was impassive, at times incapable of feeling, knowing, knowing that underneath that stony exterior, the weight, the depth of what he felt. And it's a pain he knows the taste of, that bitter self-hatred that slips down and clogs the throat, sputters the heart. Castiel runs away with the tablet, listens to Dean's prayers grow angrier and angrier, clutching his head and holding the stone close to his chest because he thinks it's the only thing protecting him from Naomi. Dean feels the tornado brush up against him and he inhales, preparing for the trip. He knows what he'll see next, and he knows it won't be pretty to watch how Cass suffered as a human, knowing that it was his fault, because he was a coward, and he could have helped Cass, could have done more than hand him an old backpack with some spare clothes and all the cash he had on hand. But when the tornado drops him, it's not that memory. 
Cass is staring at him from across the library. But he's not human. And Memory Dean is not sad, but angry. Pissed. Something went wrong, Cass says. Oh no. Something always goes wrong. You know this. No, 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 Dean thinks. Why this memory? Why now? There's so much missing time. Years of it. Human and homeless? The mark? Lucifer? Where's all that? Yeah, his memory counterpart snaps, and Dean recoils at the acidic tone. Why is that something always you? He feels Cass's heart shatter and splinter, like Dean took a hammer to it. At the time, Dean purposefully lashed out. He wanted to be cruel. He was hurting, and he needed something to hurt. And Cass was... Cass was right there. But hearing the words, having to look at himself say those words, the cruelty is horrifying. I'm sorry, Dean says as the rest of the conversation plays out. Cass's footsteps against the metal staircase... Memory Dean just sitting, sitting there watching. This time, he follows Cass up the metal staircase. Castiel stands outside the bunker for a long time. Dean never realized how long Cass waited there before finally climbing into his truck and leaving, waiting to see if Dean would stop him. I'm stopping you this time. Wake up so I can tell you to your face that I'm sorry. Dean grabs Cass's elbow and tugs and prays and pleads. Castiel, I need you to hear me. And then Castiel turns his head. He squints his eyes. Cass, it's me. I need you to wake up. Dean? Yeah, it's me. Dean's crying. Are you awake? Cass blinks. He stares down at his hands and flexes his fingers then looks back at Dean, and then his eyes widen. You shouldn't be here. Since when do I follow the rules? I'm here. Are you really awake? How are you here? African dream root. I'm going to need to chug a pint of mouthwash to get the taste out, but it worked. Dean laughs. He's still holding on to Cass's elbow. Cass swallows and takes a small step back. Dean tightens his grip. Dean, Cass says warningly. Did you know you're an asshole? Dean says. He looks straight into Cass's eyes. His throat is tight. You really thought you could just say, say that, and then die and leave me to what? Deal with it? Forever? I, I... You don't get to do that. That's not fair. That is not fair because guess what, Cass? We beat Chuck. We got our free will. But it doesn't mean anything to me if you're not there to enjoy it with us. Standing there, Cass looks like he might cry again. Dean, I'm so... Don't say sorry. Don't you dare do it. It's been... I've been miserable without you. Hot tears race down Dean's cheeks. Sorry, can't undo all that. Won't fill up this hole in my chest. Do you know how you make this up to me? You wake up. You come home with me. Cass stutters a bit more, then his eyes glide to the side of Dean's head. 
Dean sees the change instantaneously. Dean, Cass says seriously. Dean looks behind him to see himself. Another Dean, smirking, but its eyes are black puddles of that nightmarish ooze. How touching, the empty says. That is a neat little trick there, but, um, you came for nothing. It shrugs. Castiel sealed the deal, buckaroo. Signed and notarized in triplicate. He's going to keep me company for a long, long time. Like hell, Dean snarls facing the entity. He puts a protective arm in front of Cass. Dean, you need to go, Cass says. I'm not leaving you. The empty stamps his feet. Quiet. It screeches, and a high-pitched whine echoes in Dean's ear. He covers his ears with his hands, wincing, but the empty keeps talking. Just be quiet. Slowly, Dean peels his hands away. You just want to go to sleep, right? Let Cass go, and you can go right back to taking your little nap. The empty sneers. It's strange, seeing something so sinister wearing his face. Every expression is magnified. Him, but not him. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. It says in a sing-song, Castiel, this was not part of our deal. We're renegotiating. Dean, Cass hisses. Listen, Dean turns and snaps. I'm not leaving here without you, and this time you are coming with me, even if I have to drag you kicking and screaming. The empty snarls and snaps its fingers. Behind Dean, Cass falls to his knees, a mangled sound clawing out of his throat. Cass? Cass has his hands wrapped around his head, teeth clenched, obviously trying as hard as he can not to scream. You, the empty says, pointing at Dean. Leave. Go on, vet. Now. If I could, I'd keep you here, too, just so I can prevent you from being a nuisance in the future. But unfortunately, it grits his teeth. God gets a claim on the human souls. Even the new God wasn't dumb enough to change that old contract but I can make eternity for him. It clenches its fingers into a fist and Cass hunches even forward, no longer able to hold back the cry of pain. A lot more painful. Dean watches, horrified, and he stands there, frozen, not knowing what to do. Once more, just watching. Cass meets his eyes. And gestures. Turn around, his eyes say. Dean does. Come on, Dean says, trying to keep his voice steady. Cool metal presses against the back of his palm. He turns his fingers, casts his angel blade. Dean's heart hammers in his chest, realizing what Cass is asking him to do. No claim on human souls. We can work something out. Can't we? You're leaving now. 
one-way trip back and then the borders closing. Wait, Cass says. Please, let me say goodbye. And I won't ever fight you. The empty sighs dramatically. Fine, but only because you uphold your deals. Cass pushes himself to his feet and puts a hand on Dean's shoulder. Dean swallows and presses his eyes closed. Dean, Cass says, now. Dean spins and with the angel blade he slashes at Cass's throat, where blue light and blood spill. Chapter 4 No! The empty screeches, causing Dean's ears to ring. Cass falls to his knees, one hand on his throat, where blood and grace slip out, but he stares up at Dean through the bubbling red in his mouth. What have you done? Its eyes bubble, Dean's reminded of the thick, gooey ozone in the dungeon the way it moved like water, the way it shot forward and consumed Cass, just standing there, crying and smiling and letting it happen. Dean meets its gaze. I don't see any angels here, he says. Just a couple of pathetic humans that you got no claim to, right? He looks behind him at Cass. Cass, wake up. Wake up now, damn it. The empty charges, those black tendrils coming at him, that screeching noise getting higher and higher, rattling the bones in Dean's ears. Dean closes his eyes and shoots up from the bed in the infirmary. His heart is slamming against his ribs, throat swollen. His tongue still tastes like the African dream root. He coughs. You're awake, Sam says immediately by his side. He puts his hand on Dean's shoulder, firm and strong, keeping Dean upright. Dean blinks against the harsh lights, tries to listen to what they're all saying. Everything sounds like it's underwater. Cass? Dean says, barely able to hear himself. He looks down at his hands, expecting to see blood. But they're plain, clean and calloused, like always. They're shaking, though. He's cold. Is he here? Do you see him? Jack, Sam, and Eileen glance at each other, frowning. Panic sets in. Dean scrambles to get to his feet. He ends up falling straight off the bed with a grunt. Dean, Sam says, voice coming in clearer. Dean, just hold on a minute. Where is he? 
blood and grace drained from his hands. They're still shaking. Did Cass get out? Or was he even there? Was it all just Dean's dream? Dean pushes himself to his feet. He waited outside the bunker for you to come get him. Dean swallows and he's shivering. What happened? Sam's asking. Eileen is signing, are you okay? And Jack? Jack is just standing there, looking at him sadly. His heart is still pounding and he looks at the supplies scattered on the table. The jacket with its smeared handprint. His breath catches in his throat. And then he takes off down the hall. Dean, wait! Sam calls after him. He's taller, but even though Sam runs every day, Dean's always been faster. His feet hit the concrete ground hard, and he uses his arms as pendulums. Time, time. Does he have enough time? Blood leaking out like thick syrup. He's in front of the door, the one that's taunted him for the past six months, the one that doesn't leave his nightmares alone. He touches the handle, pausing for only a second, eyes closed, a prayer on his lips. Please, he thinks. He throws the door open. The shelves are still there with their dust and boxes, and pass them to the dungeon, curled on the floor. Cass! He hears Sam stop behind him, hears the shock and surprise in Sam's voice, and then he's on the ground by Cass's side. Cass's hand is still wrapped around his throat, fingers red. He's pale. Jack! Dean snaps, turning his head. Jack, Eileen, and Sam stand at the threshold of the dungeon. Jack, get your ass over here and help him. I do not give me any of that non-interference crap. You owe him. Come here and help him. Jack enters, sneakers squeaking on the floor. He kneels down, stares at Cass for what feels like forever, then brushes his fingers over Cass's forehead. Cass's eyes snap open and he inhales. His hands fall from his throat. The blood is gone. His throat is unmarred. Dean still stares at the spot, though, where the blade met skin, and blue and red spilled out. They stare at each other. Dean hesitates, hand trembling, before he puts it on Cass's face. His cheek is warm under Dean's touch. The slight stubble Cass always wore prickles his skin. You're here, he whispers, afraid to speak too loudly in case this is a dream. I'm here, Cass says, putting his hand over Dean's. Hello, Dean. Cass, Sam breathes. Cass's eyes scan over the others, slightly dazed. Hello, Sam, he says, tired. It worked, Sam says breathlessly. Sam falls to his knees and joins in on the hug. Cass is crushed between them, but he's grinning softly. Those rare, shy smiles. Cass, you're back. Are you... Human, yes. And I'm alive. They're so close, just inches away, and yet they're miles apart. Everything Dean wants to say, do, he can't. Not right now. Not with everyone watching.
So they sit there for a while, until Dean's feet go numb. Then they stand. Cass stumbles a little, but Dean grabs his elbow, steadies them. Jack, who'd been waiting in the corner, steps forward. He throws his arms around Cass and cries into the crook of his neck. I'm sorry, he says. I couldn't help you. Cass rubs his back and returns the hug. Jack, it's okay. When the hug ends, Cass pushes a stray lock of hair out of Jack's face. God, huh? Jack looks at his hands. I absorbed Chuck's power, he says. I had to. It was the only way we could defeat him. This isn't what I wanted for you. It's fine. Jack's eyes slid over to Dean and Sam. Now that you're back, it's fine. Jack steps back and grins. It doesn't meet his eyes. In those swim sadness. You don't have to go, Sam says. Jack, your family. Our family. I know, Jack says. And I know that one day I will see you all again. But Earth is for humans, not gods. That was always the problem, wasn't it? His eyes linger on Cass. Castiel, thank you for trusting me. And then he's gone. They stare at the empty space until Eileen finally breaks the silence. Your lives are crazy. Sam huffs and smiles sadly. He intertwines his fingers with hers. It's your life now, too. He looks at Dean and Cass curiously. Human, huh? Yes, Cass says, touching his neck. The empty can't hold humans. Good. You hungry? Caretaker is a mode Dean understands. He slips right into it, energized and hungry himself for the first time in months. He sits Cass at the table in the kitchen and gets to work, buzzing with energy and anxiety. Sam sits across from Cass and they talk. Thank you, Dean hears Sam say, for saving Dean. And then Dean tunes them out, trying to focus on cooking. Eileen helps, chopping vegetables and seasoning meats, and they work in tandem, like they've done it all their lives. The aromas tingle Dean's nose and his stomach grumbles. When the food is ready, Dean sits next to Cass, pressing their sides together. What was it like there? Eileen asks. Cass puts his fork down and thinks. It was like a nightmare. His fingers sign fluidly as though he's known the language for years. But I didn't know I was dreaming. Not until Dean was there. Dean chews on a piece of meat until it's nearly dust in his mouth. Are you okay with, you know, being human? Sam asks. Of course. I told Dean to do it. And if he hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to leave. Being human, it's a blessing, not a curse. You're not going to go around and make any more stupid deals, are you? Dean asks, staring at his plate. I don't plan to. Good. Words he can't say yet press at his throat. He puts his utensils down and stands up. Dean, Sam says, 
but Dean walks out of the kitchen until he can't hear them anymore. He's a coward. He knows this. But he can't just sit there and next to Cass and not talk about it. And he's not going to talk about it in front of Sam. It's an hour later when the others finish dinner. Dean hears them whispering, unable to make out the words, and then footsteps coming towards him. Footsteps waiting outside his room. He opens the door to see Cass standing there, fist prepared to knock. Dean. Get in here, Dean says, tugging on the familiar coat sleeve. He closes the door. Dean, I'm sorry. I know I put a burden on you, and I never meant to. Shut up, Dean says. He takes Cass's face in his hands and kisses him. Cass stands there, still, and when Dean releases, he looks at him. Dean can't hold back the tears anymore. They fall freely, hot and salty. He leans against Cass, and when Cass wraps his arms around him, Dean sobs freely. Cass rubs at his back. You asshole, Dean continues, keeping one hand on Cass's chest, feeling his beating heart. You really think you can just say that to me and then go off and die? Again? Dean. No, I get to talk this time. He pulls away just enough to look into Cass's eyes. He remembers Cass's eyes then, full of tears, glimmering even in the darkness. Cass, what I want is something I can't have. How long did you wait? Cass frowns, eyebrows furrowing. Outside the bunker door. Cass's hands stay on Dean's back. Hours. Dean spent hours in his room in the dark, drinking and drinking. What I saw in your dreams, the angels, Naomi, was that real? Yes. Cass looks up at the ceiling, muscles tensing. She made me practice killing you over and over. Why didn't you ever tell me? What good would it have done? Dean doesn't have an answer for that at first. He thinks and thinks. So you wouldn't have to carry it on your own, just like that stupid deal. Cass is quiet. Dean continues. You could have me, you know, if you stay. You want me to stay? The genuine shock in his voice is heartbreaking. Of course. Dean's voice cracks. More tears slip out. Your family. Why would you think I don't want you to stay? Because you never ask. Because you just let me go. Cass. Dean raises his head so they're making eye contact. Will you stay? Cass smiles. Of course, Dean. Dean grins. He tugs on Cass's hand and steps back until he falls backward on the bed, pulling Cass with him. It's gentle kisses, soft touches, existing in the other space, 
an intimacy Dean hasn't allowed himself in years. He thinks of Cass's dreams, and every emotion Cass felt, all that self-doubt, hatred, love for him. The coldness that had permeated his bones for so long melts away. He is warm and tired. And right there, next to Cass, he sleeps well for the first time in months, knowing that this time, Cass will be here when he wakes up. The End Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>